you gotta you gotta chime us in, babe. Or I'm just gonna start talking about how I wanted to kill John Cusack the entire time. Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this, and you can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and on TikTok at hold up podcast. And you can listen to my cat slots right here because he's screaming his fucking head off. Um, Patreon. And you can join our Patreon at... I don't know. Hold up on Patreon. We'll put the link in the thing. Um, we got some new patrons recently, and that's so lovely. Thank you, and thank you, and welcome to the new. We'll give you an official warm welcome on a Patreon episode. And if you want to know what that is, join our Patreon. Um, it's just a thing. Thank you. Anyway, um, well, our Patreon is fun. We have uh bonus episodes and content and fun stuff, and we do book clubs and we watch dumb movies and. Yeah, it's great, great fun. But this week, we're talking about High Fidelity, which came out in 2000 and stars John Cusack, as well as a host of other, like, early aughts people. Jack Black's breakout, question mark? Yeah, I wondered the same thing. I'm not sure. I said that, and Um, then Ben started listing a bunch of Jack Black credits, and I was like, I said breakout, not first thing I look at. Jack Black's staying over here. Truly. Um... It uh, is directed by Stephen Frears and written by D.V. DeVincent. It sounds like DeVince. He's Italian. Steve Pink, John Cusack, Scott Rosenberg, based on a novel by Nick Hornby. A novelist I very much like, but haven't read probably since my like early mid-20s. And now maybe I need to revisit. Because like, does this book know I'm- its protagonist is terrible? The answer is like, yes, but they're fine with it, you know? So I wonder that because you always say that um, that about a boy is like one of your favorite books and movies, and so when I've never I was read about this, a boy, oh, oh, I've never read about a boy. So when I was watching this, I was like, because I also know that this is Nick Hornby. I've read so about a boy the movie. Maybe we should have watched them together. Also starts out with a shitty guy. Although, albeit, if memory serves, not nearly this shitty. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen about him in so long. And changes and becomes a better person. And this is a movie where it starts out with a really shitty guy who doesn't do any of that and then just gets the girl in the end. Like, my memory of About a Boy is that, like, baby Nicholas Holt he teaches Hugh Grant how to love and that then extends to treating women better. Yeah, I would be curious. I've never read High Fidelity the book. Neither have I. But I wonder if the redemption arc is better because there's an yes. attempt at a redemption arc here. Ben pointed out he was like, we the audience know that he's like redeeming himself, but he has done nothing to prove that to her. Carrie, what's the plot of High Fidelity? Okay, so High Fidelity is about, we we open on a sad John Cusack who's being left and by his girlfriend, his live-in girlfriend, and he begins to sort of um, wax poetic about the women in his life or like past women in his life and recounting his relationships. And then he decides he needs to like 
revisit these relationships. Yeah, it's a classic. I'm going to determine mine the history of all the women who broke my heart. Right. Why he's so leavable. Why women keep leaving him. Turns out he's um, left all of them. He's left all of them because he's um, a controlling, manipulative, superficial human being. And when, when I say this movie explains so much about young Allison, because let me tell you, this man is every boy I had a crush on from age 15 to 27. Every single one of them. Yeah. I think the other thing is that like, I feel like this character represents a very specific, like early aughts teenager, young boy guy. But like those men then like those boys grew up and this character is supposed to be a grown up who has not like well they don't all grow up at one point someone says to them i forget like the three guys john cusick jack black and the cutie bald guy who like work at the record store and john cusick's character owns it uh says to them something about like you all think you're um know you know more about music and all these records than anyone else and you think that makes you more important than everyone else because you have this knowledge they don't and they're like yeah and it's it was like oh jesus christ and they were like yeah, yeah. that's absolutely true that, that that does make us feel more important and it's just like every fucking boy to man in my teenage and 20s who i was like well i have to learn more about music so they think i'm just as smart as they are and i can't like you know fucking uh destiny's child because it's not quote-unquote good enough i have to you know i was just i just felt so fucking ripped to shreds mm-hmm. yeah i love yeah. destiny's child i just paid um, 250 dollars plus merch plus drinks plus uber plus the cheese quesadilla i ate when i got home from the concert to see beyonce live worth every penny cheese quesadilla was pretty cheap it was made from materials in my own home but <laughs> Mm, I was gonna say like oh how expensive a cheese quesadilla was okay here's what he did this the listeners need to know i came home from beyonce it was late i was tired my feet hurt were you no i was like starting not really hungover because i was the perfect amount of buzz the whole time you know i like drank we like drank before we left and then i had two double tequila soda limes at the concert And, and i was just like filled with the power and glory that was beyonce anyway like the virgo beauty of it all and I came home and I hadn't eaten since the charcuterie board and um, crudités that I had laid out for my friends as we pre-gamed the concert. And I was like, mama needs food. And I had leftover cooked bacon in my fridge, Mexican shredded cheese, and tortillas. So I made myself the most delicious quesadilla with a side of reheated bacon. I then woke up in the middle of the night with absolutely roaring heartburn because I'm in my <laughs> Right. Sure, naturally. But oh my god, was it delicious! It's exactly what I needed. Beautiful, love that for you. Anyway, um, all that to say, fuck boys who made me think I had to like read Catch Twenty Two and exclusively listen to I don't know the Clash or the Cure, whoever they fuck they wanted me to listen to. Um. Oh god, I meant to write it down and I forgot. He at one point makes a reference to what was that book like every emo boy in high school read? Catch Twenty Two. No, no, no. Yeah, there is a reference to Catch-22. Shoot. Catch-22 or Catcher in the Rye? Catch-22, although both, both apt. What was that? Oh, God, what was that, like, an annoyingly long book? 
my love it is catch 22 no 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 more recent than that like i'll get there i'll get there hold on oh the one that's like the longest book in the world yes and every fucking emo boy i want to say it's dave eggers but it's not no you're thinking of a heartbreaking work of staggering genius which is a stunning book and not annoyingly long it's probably like three or four hundred pages it's like a normal length oh that's not anyway okay whatever the point being this guy sucks there there is sort of an attempt at a like a redemption arc but it's not particularly well written here it's not particularly well developed and we sort of just like get there without the work and i think to your point like maybe about a boy is a better adaptation having not read high fidelity i did read about a boy but it's been a quadrillion years yeah maybe i have Um, read about a boy definitely seen it multiple times so i would be interested to know whether the redemption is better in the book that's my question maybe we should read i don't want to read high fidelity (laughs) Uh, i don't want to read high fidelity um also the way in which what go ahead presumably high fidelity the book is not set in chicago no i did say i think i bet it's set in london like because nick hornby is british and often he writes like in this feel like record store hipster guys also like this is a very chicago this is a very logan square movie right like this movie takes place in ungentrified or like pre-gentrified late 90s early 2000s logan square right so let me say that as not chicago license to wed was this this movie is very like this his zip code is clearly his zip code is 60618. It's our parents' present zip code. Um, the, we get some beautiful references to like the double door, the reader, just. Explicit. I know I kept being like, I'm so annoying. I kept being like, the reader's a real newspaper. It's the right. double door is a place. Uh, the um, I was right. The record store is on Milwaukee and Honor, and that's like a smack dab in the middle. Like, just me being the most annoying. Um, and like, I think maybe what redeems this movie for me, other than my like deep, deep and unchecked love of Jack Black is it's just like beautiful. Like the use of Chicago is really beautiful. I think you're right. I am willing to bet the book takes place in London. Um, He lives in an apartment that he he's like, you can afford it. He says to Laura at one point, he's like, you can afford a better apartment than this. You make like 60, 70 a year. And I was like, that apartment now you have to make so much money to live yeah think of this beautiful like logan square apartment with one of those like round wind that all the apartments have the round windows anyway yes um this movie for me this movie is no longer for me this movie's not for um married women with children in their 30s it's not for um, unmarried women with cats in their 30s <laughs> No, it's not but for me. In a healthy relationships with a boy who, uh, boy, with an adult man who, yeah. who is not critical of my music choices. Um, so, if anything, I'm critical of his. He loves Dave Matthews. Wild. Same. Uh, Jeff, same. Uh, just weird. Uh, sometimes he, when he's cooking, he gets into a Dave Matthews zone. And like one of the first like meals he made for me, like I went over to his house and he was like making me a risotto or something fancy and listening to Dave Matthews. And I was like, this is so close to being sweet. But this, this fucking Dave Matthews. 
get out of here. Yeah. Jeff listens to like Dave Matthews series XM and like plays it for the boys. And I'm just like, I dating straight men is so many questions. Straighting straight men is it's wild. A Sexuality is not a choice because no one would choose this, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> truly, um, I feel like they're like, so this movie's not for me, right? But there are some redeeming things about this movie. Also, I'm married to somebody who literally was like, I fucking love this movie. This character is terrible. And he's so manipulative and controlling, but I love this movie so much. I'm also married to a music snob. Um, although not you, you just said listens to Dave Matthews serious accent. Right. He is True. not a serious person. <laughs> but not not a music snob in the way that he like like looks down on me for what I listen to or anyone listens to right but um so he like sat with me for a couple of minutes when I watched it this morning and then he had to like pause every moment to tell me his favorite parts and I was just like I need you to go away so I can finish watching this movie Ben watched it with me last night and just kept being like what does he he's terrible does does the movie know he's terrible do you know he's terrible does does he remember I was like yeah he's a bad person so yes I think the movie does know he's terrible and I think it's repeatedly plays on that there's a really dark but kind of funny moment where like i laughed out loud and then thought when he is there's a couple first of all there's there's a couple of very funny moments in this the dialogue is is at times very dark and very funny but there's a moment when he's like revisiting his relationships and he's talking to this girl who he dated in high school and who he was mad didn't have sex with him yes, this whole thing is like she with... wouldn't put up she wouldn't put out she wouldn't even let her me touch her over and as an adult man he is complaining about how this 16 year old girl wouldn't put out it's not like an adult man who was like i broke up with her because she wouldn't put out Ugh, how embarrassing what a childish like piece of shit i was no as an adult man he is still like like i rightfully broke up with her because she wouldn't let me hit it at 16 and wouldn't let me like touch her tits or whatever right and so he's he's now like out with her again they're like have gone to catch up or whatever and he's like well why did you have sex with this other guy and not me and she was like well basically like because like my heart was broken by you when I was feeling really insecure and like it wasn't rape but it wasn't like something I necessarily wanted to do and his reaction it wasn't is, rape but it wasn't far off is the line right and his reaction was oh my god I rejected her it's not my fault it's not my fault and I was like that's like the breakup wasn't his fault what he keeps getting from revisiting these relationships is that the disillusion of them is not his fault so he is continually telling himself it's I didn't do anything wrong women are leaving me because of their issues he does it like he finds out that so the first major relationship of his life that he's going to revisit is this girl he kissed in middle school when young John Cusack is played by I don't know which but either Drake or Josh not the Oppenheimer one the bad one the one who the one who's like I think on the hook for some legal things with underage girls and now it's like I don't we don't have to get into it but it's not the how I met your father Oppenheimer Drake or Josh it's the bad Drake or Josh right sure naturally anyway he like it was like his first kiss and then she ended up marrying the second person she kissed and he's like it's not my fault they were soulmates and so he just keeps being like oh i'm not a bad person i didn't treat these people horribly and push them away they left for other reasons and it's like 
no, you you also treated these people horribly and pushed them away. Like there's never accountability for like, and it is funny. It's funny for a woman to be like, hey, I was so insecure after the way you treated me that I put out for a boy because I thought I had to, to feel love. And it walked the line of consent and him being like, amazing news. Thank you so much. Like it is intended for that to be the joke. It's not supposed to be, it's not making fun of this girl's pain. It's it's pointing out the awfulness of this man. And I, and it's funny, but also like we never, but then like, I don't ever want him to have a good thing happen to him. Right. He doesn't like the earning back of, of the woman that he loves is not. He barely, her dad dies. She says, my mom wants you to come to the funeral. I don't care. Come if you want. Um, and then she says to him, I'm too tired to not be with you, which I was like, you can read two ways, right? You can read that as like being with him is really easy and comforting and like fills her up. Or you can read it as like, I'm too tired to keep trying. You're easy enough. Uh, Fine. You know, like you can read it as sort of resigned. And I think that ultimately what we get to is like the first, because his speech is very, his like speech to her at the end is very similar because he has this moment of like being tempted to cheat on her and he doesn't, which is like the the singular moment of growth that we. Oh, get also from him. because we found out that at one point June, Joan Cusack, patron saint of this podcast, Joan Cusack, shows up and yells at him for how he treated Laura, the girlfriend, played by a Dutch actress whose name I will never pronounce. Um, and because we find out that he cheated on her. Well, she was pregnant and subsequently terminated the pregnancy because, like, she didn't want to have a baby with a man who wasn't, like, fully committed to her. And he then makes a bunch of excuses for it. But then later he's like, well, I was tempted to cheat on her and almost did. I was making this woman a mixtape, which is, you make another woman a mixtape. That is cheating, in my opinion. And then just, like, doesn't. He's like, I'm better now. And I was like, are you? Well, and then he gives her this speech about how, like, he's tired of like waiting for the fantasy because it doesn't really exist. And like, he loves her cotton underwear, which is all very sweet. Like the speech is very sweet. And he's, there's this line that I think gets quoted all the time by like high school boys of like, I never seem to get tired of you. Like I'm tired of everything, but I never seem to get tired of you. Lovely, adorable speech that I don't know how I earned. Well, because it's also like his whole thing is, he's upset that he's like, there's something been where he's upset that she doesn't have sexy lingerie or it's not even that because at one point she's like, I do have lingerie. It's that she doesn't constantly wear it. It's that she isn't constantly performing sexual. He doesn't like that. She is a human person and not just there to be attractive for him. He doesn't like throughout this movie, he doesn't want a partner in life. He wants someone who is like sexually available to him whenever he wants it and he cannot deal with the fact that she is a human being who wears ugly underwear sometimes and has thoughts and dreams and feelings of her own like and yeah at the end he sort of says like i'm over that now but it's like are you did we earn this well one of the scenes or like one of the pieces that i think is kind of interesting is he wants the cool girl. Yeah. And he dated the cool girl in college. And then when he goes to like revisit Played by her, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Pa- played by a young Catherine Zeta-Jones looking so fucking hot. It's unbelievable. It, it, I forget like 
how beautiful she is. And then I see her in something and I'm like, God, she's so beautiful. I said, Ben, I asked who the main, the woman who plays Laura, he's like, what's happening with her voice? Like, why, why does her voice sound weird? And I Google it. It's because she's Dutch and she's doing an American accent. He's like, that's it. And then we got to Catherine Zeta-Jones and I was like, talk about bad accent work because everything, all the R's are very enunciated as when British people be, pretend to be American. And he was like, you're wrong. You're, she's perfect. Right. And I was like, Ben. And he's like, good. she's perfect. I was like, you're, I was like, Catherine Zeta-Jones is, an incredible actress she's gorgeous i'm not knocking Catherine zeta jones except like you're not gonna sit here and tell me this is a this is a good accent you want to hear people say and he's like her accent work is bad she's perfect i was like all right we're not we're not no i mean men who have sex with women are completely blinded by any flaws Catherine zeta jones has i get it i i understand that they all and- saw zorro when they were 12 and they've never been able to approach her with any kind of nuance i get it i understand the two fights this movie wrought in my heterosexual relationship as we watched last night was is does Catherine zeta jones have good accent work and the answer is no and he and she's still perfect and i shouldn't speak ill of her <laughs> no i mean i get i i understand and two ben's the most outlandish thing i've ever heard a, a heterosexual man say last night and it was and maybe i agree with him but also i just like what zoe kravitz is hotter than lisa bonet how could you even decide they look exactly the same? I, he he was like, no, here's what it is. And then he starts going into a dissertation. He's like, Zoe Kravitz has a more angular face. And I was like, I think what you're saying is you're just more attracted to Lenny Kravitz. Like the parts of her that are Lenny Kravitz is what you're Also, like, to. are you just attracted to Lisa Bonet in her 20s? Because that's I said that, Zoe Kravitz But is. I said, like, look at this Lisa Bonet and take away the, like, purple eyeshadow and the purple cowboy hat because it is 1999 and boy, does it look it. Like, take away the 90s of it, which honestly, he might not want to because he loves the 90s. And like, honestly, tell me that you're not just looking at like a very hot woman who looks exactly like Zoe Kravitz. And he was like, no. Okay. So I pulled up a picture. They're not identical. No, she I is, what she is, is saying. giving pundit square. She looks no matter which parent she's standing next to. She looks exactly like them. Yeah. So I think what, what we've decided is Ben's attracted to Lenny Kravitz. Yes. <laughs> like, like if you, if you put fair. like. If you put long hair on Lenny Kravitz, Ben will fuck it. That's I did also ask, and I would love your opinion on this. Ben's answer was yes, absolutely. When Lisa Bonet and Lenny Kravitz had sex, actually, when Lenny Kravitz has sex with anyone, is he listening to Lenny Kravitz music? Undoubtedly, more important question, more interesting question maybe is, did Lisa Bonet, when Lisa Bonet and Jason Momoa had sex, did they listen to Lenny Kravitz music? That one, I feel like probably not. I don't know. They're weird people. Also, but maybe she was like, this song is written about me and how beautiful I am exactly. by my ex-husband. Exactly. Um, anyway, we've... we've. All I'm saying Catherine is that Lisa Jones. Bonet has, has had sex with both Lenny Kravitz and Jason Momoa. I'm saying, like, do we think she's had the most orgasms of any straight woman? Probably. Also, I, here's my belief. I think Lenny Kravitz is probably better in bed than Jason Momoa. Wow, I will not opine on that subject. I will not. I there's no way I can know unless the two of them want to volunteer for a science experiment. We will be your subjects. <laughs> More importantly, um, men who have sex with women cannot be objective when it comes to Catherine Zeta Jones. I understand, but 
Am I still mad that in the movie America's Sweethearts, Jason Cusack's character repeatedly tries to kill Catherine Zeta-Jones and we're supposed to empathize with him? Yes. Did I bring that into this movie? Yes. Is she also awful? Yes. Yes, she's awful. So she plays the cool girl. She is the epitome of the cool girl trope. And what he discovers when he like kind of like revisits her without like the cool girl goggles on is like she's not actually all that fun to be around no she's like she kind of sucks um so i feel like even though like we don't the movie is doing interesting things with regard to like women and the way that men heterosexual men view women Mm -hmm. but i don't know that it's then like translated to our protagonist as effectively as it could be yes which makes me wonder if the book does right yeah that's why i would be interested to read the book but i'm not ever going to add it to my want to read i haven't read nick hornby in a long time it's there's a blot sitting on my shelf right now some of which is not is, is unread um i have this thing where i don't really like to read straight white men you know sure naturally um because why the other scene that's really funny is when he's decided to reorganize his records by, like, era in his life. And he's like, if I want to find Fleetwood Mac, I have to remember that I bought it for somebody in 1993 and then didn't give it to them for personal reasons. Like, that scene is, a that scene's funny. Object. Also, it's rumors and fucking perfect. <laughs> um, also, I like when the bald guy comes over and is like, you shouldn't stack them because the weight. <laughs> the poor, like bald worker of that store just gets abused by his two co-workers slash best friends there's also a scene where they're the first scene where they're watching lisa benet um perform perform and they're all three of them are like i want to date a musician and like this is how i'd want to be acknowledged like in her music career and i forget which but like john cusack and jack black are like i'd want to be in the liner notes or i want a picture in the liner notes or something and then the like bald guy's just like i just like to be in the background somewhere <laughs> like, and then he falls in love with Sarah Gilbert. He falls in love with Sarah Gilbert. So sweet. Uh, yeah, um, he deserves better than these terrible people. Although I did love Jack Black's performance at the end. I was like, the thing I love about Jack Black is that he's such a goofy singer and also like such a good singer. Like if he was just normal, you'd be like, what a beautiful singing voice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like we all forget that like Jack Black is like stupid talented when it comes to singing because he's like tenacious, tenacious D. D. I love uh, I love Jack Black. I so Jeff was kind of like I feel like his shtick is kind of like like I'm kind of over it, and I was like I will never, never be over it. Never. never. I nope. loved loved him. I loved him in this movie. I thought he was perfect. There was the perfect He's amount so of Jack funny. Blackie, and he didn't do the like voice a ton. He like he was just sort of like angry guy, yeah, in a way that I love. But like I do think he like the thing I really love about Jack Black is that like in so many performances he like undercuts the goof with like he is a wild thing he has a robin williams essence to it where under the shtick is like genuine good acting Mm -hmm. so you like feel the i'm thinking primarily about school of rock where he is very goofy very big and then has this like genuine love for these students and want for them to be better and there's that scene that went viral recently where um the little girl is like i'm too fat blah 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 and he's like baby girl so am i so was aretha franklin like 
being fat doesn't fucking matter because when you start to sing, no one's going to give a shit what your body looks like. And it's such like, and like those sorts of speeches are so endearing and so mm-hmm. genuinely well acted that I think the reason his shtick doesn't tire for me is because it is supported by like really good, vulnerable, like acting work. Now mm-hmm. he doesn't have like a big enough role in this movie to do that, but I think like the shtick is balanced. Yes. Um, and then well, at the end, when he, is... sing, when he sings and performs and everyone's like, holy shit, he's talented. I was like, I, I love Jack Black. Yeah. And I think like the thing that's fun about the two characters of like the best friend slash coworkers is like, they also have some level of like insufferable music nerd, but like they own it in a way that John Cusack does not. Yeah. Like they are weirdos, but we know that. Whereas John Cusack's like, no, I'm normal. Um, also, there's something about like. Like at one point, Jack Black is wearing a Yanni t-shirt and I'm like, Mm -hmm. either he got this at a thrift store or he went to, it's a concert t-shirt. It had tour dates on the back or he went to a Yanni concert. And I feel like Jack Black in this movie is that character who like likes the music they like. And it is critical of people who don't like that music. Like there's the scene where he's shitting on the dad for trying to find, I just called to say, I love you for his daughter. But like, okay, which is also like a hilarious scene. Hilarious. Um, like, also, oh, is she in a coma? Oh, this movie, classic. this, the, the trailer for this movie played on one of the VHSs we have of a movie we watched a lot. It may have been my best friend's wedding because there are a handful of scenes where I'm like from the trailer and the I just called to say I love you scene is from the trailer. Yeah. Um, but he does strike me as the sort of person who likes music that people would otherwise make fun of, but then can defend it because he knows so much about music. Yes. Um, whereas Rob, the John Cusack character, just has this cool guy I only like, you know, artists everyone can agree are objectively good. Yes. Um, where there's something a little bit more honest in the in the Jack Black. There's also guy. this like this poor man's name. I have no idea. Um, the Jack Black character, like to your point about his vulnerability, there's this um desperation in him to like be accepted and taken seriously by Rob, which I think is also the other thing that like undercuts like his shtick being too shticky. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think even in this movie, like yes, the two like friend characters are not flushed out at all, really. Um. But to the extent they are, like, that Jack Black desire to be taken seriously as a musician is, I think, like, where the genuineness. Genuosity. Genuosity. No, genuine. I think genuineness. Groundedness of his character, like, comes in. Uh, The man who plays Dick, the third member of this trio, is named Todd Luiso. We should stop calling him cutie bald man. Um. He, I mean, I feel like in the late 90s and early aughts, he played, like, soft-spoken friend character in mm-hmm. most rom-coms. Um, he was in Jerry Maguire. The babysitter, maybe, question mark? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say something about... I don't remember Jack Black wanting to impress... Oh, I was going to start talking about Tim Robbins. Oh, um, yeah. Tim Robbins is in this movie. Does John Cusack hate new age because in this and in serendipity if you remember it's we're just and i didn't write serendipity but like we're just making fun of 
like new age, which is fine. New age is fun to make fun of. <laughs> like I get it. <laughs> but like, was that just the time? Was that just like the late nineties, early aughts thing we were making fun of? Or does yes. like, because I also yes, believe John Cusack also engaged in some new agey shit at some point. Oh, for sure. I think it was that. I think that this was a time where there was like this resurgence of like same with America's sweethearts. He's at the he's at the new age uh, rehab facility. Yeah, no, I think it's it's a product of the time and like what was on trend at the time. Um. Anyway, Tim Robbins like side eyeing of that. Yes, when he sees his mail, and that's how we know that they live in six zero six one eight. Um. Yeah, Tim Robbins doesn't do much in this movie, to be honest. Like, does he even talk except maybe twice? I don't know. He has think. that scene where he comes in to be like, hey, she's asked you to stop calling her and standing outside our apartment building and you should psycho. maybe respect her right. boundaries. And then John Cusack imagines. Like, and it's a funny scene and there's like three imaginary how he responds and he doesn't do any of them. Um, like beating him up and telling him to get the fuck out and all this stuff. Um, but also like, Look, not to be team Tim Robbins here, but stop stalking your ex-girlfriend. She's asked Um, you not to call her at work. And he says like, well, then you have to, then if you gave me your home phone number, I wouldn't call you at work. Like, buddy, she's, she's asking you not to call. Also, what a world without cell phones. Landlines don't hold up. Wild. Yeah. Landlines don't hold up. Phone books don't hold up. Mixtapes don't hold up. The fact that they kept listening to things on cassette tapes. I was like, I he would make make ladies mixtapes. This didn't even really hold up in 2000, I feel like. Records somehow um, did hold up. Yes. Speaking um, of records, because I'm looking at it, The River is prominent by Bruce Springsteen is prominently used in this movie. Stunning song. Gorgeous song. I have the vinyl hanging on my wall. Also, then Bruce Springsteen shows up. Yes. I will Look, say, as like... As cute as can be. I, I mean, I would expect nothing left from a movie about music, but, like, the soundtrack to this is... I said that halfway through the movie. I was like, this, it was Perfect. like, it was like when a Velvet Underground were playing. And I was like, the soundtrack to this is so good. And Ben was like, if it wasn't like, it, right. like it has to be. It has to be. If it wasn't like two thirds of the appeal of this movie goes out the window. Right. Like, yeah. Although um, at one point, so when those two like young kids who then he produces their album show up, they make fun of them for stealing a Joni Mitchell record. And it's like, can we not shit on Joni Mitchell? please like i don't think he was making fun of them so much as just being like you two aren't listening to Joni mitchell which like how do you know yeah like do they want to feel do they want to contemplate their lives do they want to think about the scene in love actually where emma thompson listens to Joni mitchell and then has to go out and perform motherhood because she doesn't have any options jesus christ beautiful beautiful happy almost love actually rewatch season to all those who celebrate um, I don't think I ever put together when the, the like TV show remake came out that Lisa Bonet is in the original. I didn't either and, until we started debating who was hotter, Lisa Bonet, which just feels like who's hotter. It feels like, like the two hottest people you can think of who's hotter. Like, why? Why would we argue this? They're also hot. Right. Yeah. I, um, right. Yeah. I said like we talked about. Well, so Ben was like. Because we like searched high fidelity to watch this. Also, he would like to point out that he's our podcast biggest supporter because I was like, hey, we do it on his TV, which is, I think, connected to Amazon. And I was like, if we go into Apple, we can rent this through Apple and then like it'll charge my card. And he was like, no, no, I'm fine. But just know that I'm your podcast biggest supporter because he's paying for all the rentals. 
So he's paying three ninety nine a week. I would allow him to have that, except that Jeff, by virtue of just being around longer, has paid for my rentals since the inception of this podcast. There you go. Suck it, Ben. So he's probably outspent Ben. Fair enough. But you guys have joint expenses. <laughs> fair but it's coming off of his card because i never i never like anyway so like when you search it both the show and the movie come up and like obviously zoe kravitz is in the thumbnail of the show and then i was like he was like is it supposed to be like her daughter like is there a connection and i said i don't think so like we talked i don't i think it's just maybe a nod to it yeah. Um, I don't think like Lisa Bonet's character, although if we had agreed to what maybe I'll watch the show now just for funsies. We're not gonna do it for But funsies. I think Lisa Bonet is also like I think she plays her mom in the remake. She but should, I don't think she's because if anyone the else character. plays Zoe Kravitz's mom, this is like in Big Little Lies in season two when Zoe Kravitz's mother showed up and it's like, Hey lady, you're not Lisa Bonet and you don't look like her. So no one thinks you're her mother. Anyway, season two of Big Little Lies sucked. I never watched any season. Oh, the um, first season's lovely and the book is good. The second season is bad because it tries say, to take the last chapter of the book and make a season of television out of it. Her version of Baby I Love Your Way is stunning. Yeah, she's very talented and probably kooky as shit. Yeah, sure. You just know you, um, you go over to that house and she's got like 17 different candles and incest burning, all of which are supposed to do something different for your soul or mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and she would mm-hmm. like feed you food that she like grew herself and is supposed to do something different for your body. And like, if you were like, Hey, I'm having a bad day. She'd be like, let me make you a tea. And the tea would change your life. Mm-hmm. Another line that I like that I feel like, again, wasn't quite earned is when he's like explaining the things he misses about Laura. And he's like, I just miss like her smell. Like there's something like some unexplained part of human chemistry that like some people just smell like home or feel That's like a home. really nice line. And, and he like, doesn't deserve lovely. love. It's a really nice line. And he doesn't deserve work. love. He, he needs. I think I texted you halfway through watching this movie and said, I hope this ends in his death. Like many rom-com, like many conclusions that we come to after watching a rom-com, I'd like him to get some therapy. Therapy. Also, this character, I feel like if it were written now, well, I guess it was written now because <laughs> we have a remake, but I feel like he has some very like neurodivergent tendency tendencies that are just not explored. Maybe, maybe just <laughs> no, I, those are. I mean, those are yeah, those two <laughs> like those two things are not related. Neurodivergence and sucking are mutually exclusive, mutually exclusive, if you will. Mutual exclusive. But I think that he both sucks and has some neurodivergent tendencies. I also believe also go ahead I believe and I'm willing to be proven wrong that his apartment building the exterior of his apartment building is the same exterior as Sandra Bullock's apartment building and while you're sleeping it's also like kind of a classic Logan Square courtyard apartment building but I think it's the same I I believe it um I haven't watched say anything in a while but I kind of feel like Rob is Lloyd Doppler grown up I will force you to love me by playing this song outside your uh, window. Yes. I will force you to love me and I will follow you around until you love me. <laughs> and have nothing that exists outside of you. Oh, at one point he says to Laura, like, the relationship couldn't have been that bad because I didn't beat you. <laughs> like, 
No, he sucks. Fair enough. But I also like, I don't think he's supposed to, like, we're not supposed to come away from this movie being like, this guy, A+. Plus, I know, but I did need him to at one point being like, the bar should probably be a little higher than I'm not physically abusive to you. Well, he stops cheating on her. Allison, God, what more do you want? He doesn't cheat on her and he doesn't beat her, Allison. Jesus. <laughs> Who could ask for anything more? <laughs> um, Yeah. After the the book I just read, I'm convinced everyone cheats and marriage is pointless and no one should have children. <laughs> you're never going to no, love, love them love in the right hearing, way. It was a really that. good book. Love hearing that, Allison. Um, As somebody who's married with children. All she did was dump him. I would have murdered him. <laughs> like, you would have gotten a call. It was like, hey, there's a body. Um, I need you to help me cover it up lawyer uh client confidentiality attorney client privilege right i was justified um do we not see more of her because she's dutch and she's in like things in amsterdam <laughs> i kind of forgot like who the I dutch are tool. what i almost said i said the netherlands you amsterdam's a city is the city you're right the netherlands um, what's her name ben's because mom she's- is in amsterdam right now She's very good. I really liked her in this. Yeah, she might be just like a Dutch actress. Um, you know who we should watch for the Patreon? Bottoms. A Dutch movie? I'm oh, going sure. to see it in two and a half hours. Oh, really? So I'd it looks so do that. funny. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> guys, yes. She's... she's, okay, Allison, she's not Dutch. She's Danish, first of all. Same Z's, right? She's from Denmark, not the Netherlands. Okay, but Dutch and Danish are both eth- like nationalities that don't sound like their country and start with a D. Fair. So, right, so that makes sense. Second of all, yes, we don't see a lot of her in America because she is a very busy Danish actress. She's in a lot of shit in her. Denmark. Because she was really good. I really liked her. She was, except, of course, her accent work was on par with that of Catherine Zeta-Jones. But, like, I felt like she and Cusack played very well off of each other. I was almost like, should we watch America's Sweetheart for the podcast? We have. We have. It doesn't hold up. I will never not watch it. I love it. um, turned down a role in The Lord of the Rings. What role? There's the Liv Tyler or the... um, um, I don't know the characters' names. Hold on. There's only two women in those movies, and it's Liv Tyler and Kate Blanchett. No, no, no. The Miranda Otto, Miranda Otto character. But she didn't want to have to move to New Zealand. Fair. So She's far. Like, Get it, girl. Mm, I don't know. I've been watching Below Deck Down Under, and I would like to move. Although that's Australia. I would just like to go live with Captain Jason on his boat. Beautiful. All right. Gorgeous. I have nothing else to say about High Fidelity. It was funny, beautiful soundtrack. I probably will never watch it again in my life. Yep. It's not for me. Listen, it's not for me. It's not at this point in my life. That's okay. That's Uh, fine. I might read it just to see if the arc is better. But also, I just took out like literally six books from the library, and there's no way I'm going to read them in time. Yeah. Same. Uh Um, Great. Well, good talk. What are what we, we doing next? next? Wait, I don't know where my... Where's my Excel? Oh, it's right here. 
How fun. Oh my God, it's almost Halloween time. But that's not the next thing we're watching. I was next, say, we're not to Halloween movies yet, are we? We have one more movie and then uh, we have two Halloween movies. And then I guess you could say her is a Halloween movie because it's probably frightening. Anyway, next we are watching Fever Pitch. Ooh. Oh, Ooh, the timing. We're also to- a Nick Hornby book. No, really? No, it's not. Got it. <laughs> but about the book is about soccer rugby cricket I oh so know, like the British. movie's not wait is the movie based on i think so the book carrie i don't think you're right because it's not like a beloved Hold movie please. no it's a fairly brothers movie oh story by nick hornby you're right <laughs> it's about it's about soccer um yeah but we're gonna have to talk about the Fimi jalen mm, sure yes it's the basis for the jimmy fallon drew barrymore movie I know, I just said that. Why don't you really Oh, okay. There's also a British version. Probably. All oh, right. Colin Firth and Ruth Jimmel. Let's watch that one. I want to watch that instead we can... of uh, Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore. If Should we're gonna... we watch both? What we well, let's do one for the patrons. No one, I don't want. No one actually cares about the British version except the people who pay us. If we're gonna keep talking, I have to pee. If we're gonna be okay, done, we're done we can talking. Be done. Join us in two weeks for the American Fever pitch, which is based on the Nick Hornby book. We maybe for the Patreon we'll do the British one, which is based on the Nick Hornby book and was adapted by Nick Hornby. So that would be interesting. Bye. Bye. <laughs>